Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different, positively different radio in the morning. <laughs> Minnie's laughing at me. That's right. Uh, what, that's do I, what, what do you usually say me Oh, you are with Laura and... <laughs> Minnie. <laughs> Minnie. How are you this morning? I'm good. Yes, I'm good. I um, I was so tired last night and so I was. I talked to my housemate Beck and I was like, oh, I could just go to sleep. It was like before eight o'clock. She was like, yes, Minnie, go to sleep. You don't sleep properly. Anyway, so I did. And then I woke quite awake up at 4.30, which was great because I had uni work to get done. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. But yeah, so I'm good. That's took, awesome. Took me a while to wake up, but... I'm good. How, how are you feeling? Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Classic Lyle. That's what I like yes, to hear. <laughs> yes. Okay. So 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 here's what happened, right? Oh, so I did my. I, I spat in the in the tube and did my DNA test. Yes. And uh, found out all kinds of uh, cool info, and it connected me to a um, a relative mm-hmm. and said this this person is a close relative. I'm like I've never heard of this relative. Who could this relative be? And all it had was initials. So I wrote them a letter and said I'm a close match. These are my relatives. Who are you? Do they reply? Yes. <gasps> Ooh, this is exciting. So this is this. It turns out uh-huh. is my great aunt. I have a great aunt hey! who is still alive. From where? So what's the background? On my there? mother's side. On okay. my mother's side. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather's sister. Yes. She's, she's ninety-three. Yeah. Sharp as a tack. What does j- she do? J- just re- just renewed her uh, driver's license. Well done, her. Uh, lives in Penrith. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go to visit. That's so exciting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I reckon yeah. that's the best about like when you find out who you're connected to. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of family I know I have, but I don't know how to connect with them. But mum's like, yeah, you have da-da-da here and da And I was like, what? How come we don't know them? She's like, oh, well, I don't know. And I'm like, unbelievable. But that's very well, cool. Well, see, I lost contact with my mother's side of the family when my mother died when I was young. Oh. So this is all a mystery oh, to me. So, so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool indeed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. This is The Breakfast Show on Faith FM and it is... Encounter with God time. Oh, it is. Yeah. See, we're waiting for it. Waiting for it. Liam's on the money. He's there. Yeah, he's, Liam's he's... onto the jingles. Okay. Always. Uh, the, uh, the, reason, the reason that we uh, um, have Encounter with God right now is because we have Turned Around Tuesday which means that we get to do the Bible study first. Okay, where are we up to? Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to. And we're going to look about the, the, the theme of today's uh, Bible study is commitments call. So Matthew chapter 4, mm-hmm. we're going to start in verse 18. 18 through 20 is what we are going to read. So Matthew 4 verse 18 to 20. Go for it, Minnie. All righty. So on one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. All right. Okay, so you've got the call here of uh, Peter and John. Now, when you stop and think about this for a moment, these guys are fishermen. They've been fishermen their whole lives. It's kind of the only thing they know. That's how they make a living. Uh, Peter comes walking along the beach. They see Peter, uh, you know, Jesus coming walking along the beach, and Jesus says, "Come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." Yes. So they drop their nets and walk away. Yes. They don't stop and ask questions. They don't stop and say, "Um, so like, what kind of a job is this? Mm. What's the job description?" They don't stop and say, "What's the pay like?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They don't stop and say, 
what provisions do we have for accommodation as, you know, travelling preachers? Mm. They don't stop and say, you know, what's our, you know, do we have provisions? Is, is there, do we have lunch? Mm. You know, is, is, there, is there dinner tonight somewhere? They don't stop and say any of these things, do they? No. But... They just leave. Yes, but it isn't. It also isn't just completely blind faith because if we look in the Gospel of Luke, I think it's Luke, that's where Jesus helps them catch fish, right? The old throw out your nets and they're like, we've been here all night. No, do it again. You know, that's not written in this Gospel, but it is based on a, oh, we've just seen this man do something that our livelihoods is catching fish. We should be able to catch fish. This random man has now helped us catch fish. Because like that, do you know what I mean? Like we don't have that in this gospel, but it's not completely based on a random man happens to walk by, come with me, okay, and off they go. There's the other gospels flesh it out a bit of like, no, no, there was some interaction and maybe there's other stories they've heard. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so somebody, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's texted in to point out a very important part of this story and that is the age of these men. Mm. How old do you reckon they were? Look, I've heard that they're like teenagery. They were teenagery. Yeah. They yeah. were teenagery. Yeah. I think uh, John was the youngest and he was like 18, 19, thereabouts. So these were young men, mm. like really, really young men. And I think that when, you know, when I see that coming through there, it tells me that here you've got some young men that, well, it, it tells me something about young people. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of getting old and sceptical. <laughs> Um, when I was young, I kind of just did things on way more faith than what I do these days. Mm. You know, when I was, when I was, what was I, 22 years old and I got married on the other side of the world and I had no money and I came back to Australia and I still had no money and kind of no prospects and, you know, got together with a couple of friends and was like, well, let's start a ministry. So we started a ministry and we still had no money. And then, you know, I had a, I had a child coming and we still had no money and between, the five of us that were involved in this ministry, we had $5.32 <laughs> and we had an evangelistic campaign that was happening that cost us about 15 grand um, and we still had no money. We came to the end of that campaign. We had $200, gone up from $5 to $200. Brilliant. Um, and we never missed a rent payment and we never went hungry. We kind of came close a few times. Mm. But, you know, I look back on that experience. What a great experience it was to go through. And then I think, would I do that now? Mm -hmm. And I would really struggle. I would really struggle to do that now. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the reasons why God calls young people. Young people are prepared to step out in faith and take risks that, you know, the older generation just gets too stuck in their ways and too cautious and too lacking in faith, whatever it might be, mm. to be able to step out and take those kind of risks. This is why we need our young people you know, motivated and on fire to serve God. And when they, when our young people are called to serve God, we need to recognize that calling, encourage that calling, and do everything we can to promote that calling because they will go out and do great and amazing things that us older people, I hate putting myself in that bracket. <laughs> I'm not that old, um, but us older people just, you know, we just don't even, we don't even think that way anymore. Mm, mm. And, you know, every now and then, you know, these risky opportunities come up and it's like, well, okay, Lyle, what are you, what are you going to do right now? Are you going to follow this calling or not? I, 
I remember a few years ago, I was at this Bible college thing and my, my outreach partner, so we had to do some door knocking <clears throat> and we didn't get any Bible studies from it in the few months we were there, but we never, like we never had any arguments, but I do remember there was this one day and we're knocking on some doors and we just met some older people who were lovely, but the, the sense we really got from them, they were like, oh, you guys are young, you know, you haven't worked out yet that this is a bit of, you know, it's a bit of a make-believe. And just the way they said it was so polite. And we just went away. We're like, nah, that's, you know, and we were just so, <laughs> like, but we didn't. And I mean, I'm a few years older than him, um, but we just didn't even have the. But you're super young, Minnie. Let's just face it. Let's be yeah, really- <laughs> yeah, but in the context of like him and I, I was still like a few years older, you know. And, uh-huh. But yeah, it was just interesting because. Look, maybe if I'd been alone, it would have been a lot more discouraging. But just because we were both two people there, we we didn't even fully get discouraged by her comment. We we're just like, she doesn't know. Like, what does being young have to do with not knowing everything? You know, like <laughs> it was yeah, because she was very much like, oh, you know, you'll realise as you get older that religion's a bit of a joke, and this is. Um, but we were just kind of on this mentality of, of course, Jesus is going to come, and if Jesus is going to come, of course we can. Like, why can't we be the generation? You know, just. It, and it wasn't trying to be arrogant. It was just like, why can't it be possible? Like it just didn't, do you know what I mean? It just wasn't And, and has she never figured out just how many old people of faith there are out there in our world today? Oh, look, maybe maybe she just didn't know them. I don't know. I you don't know, know and, what her and, story And people was. of giant intellect. Yeah, yeah. Who are people of faith. Yeah. But that's the thing. We didn't we didn't find it discouraging. We're just like, oh, well, she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit sad though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's oh, just, I would have loved to just talk to her and be like, you know, what's what's your like? Did you have a faith background at all, or like, yeah. you know, did something happen, or is it just you just do think it's ridiculous? Because I know I know people who they've just been burnt in really bad ways, and I get that. Yes, but, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what yeah. her story was. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's incredibly sad when that kind of thing happens. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so there are some uh, some advantages to being young. Absolutely. And advantages to being. Uh, to being on fire for God when you're young because you will do great things for God. Uh, we've got a few more text messages coming through. We're going to come back to those in just a moment. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so a uh, text message coming through to say that the 4 to 14 window has the greatest discipleship potential on the planet. Four as in four years old? Four years old to 14 years old. Oh, interesting. And that's the research. This is solid research that is out there. This is um, this is information that we've actually now known now for a very, very long time. The four, four to 14 window is called the four to 14 window because if a child does not make a solid decision for Christ, um, a, a, so a child who does make it within that time frame between four and 14, a solid decision for Christ, Will uh, has the greatest chance of staying with Christ throughout their life, and if they don't make it during that age, then they have a very very high chance of drifting off. Is this in general, or is this specifically kids who are raised in homes where Jesus was known? Does that make sense? This is yes. This is this is children who are raised in Christian yeah, okay. homes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also also in general. Mm. Okay, so yeah. Okay, no, no, let me let me go further. In, in general, if you can lead somebody within the four to fourteen window to Christ, regardless of the home that they come from, then there is an infinitely higher chance that mm. they will 
um, remain faithful to God. Which you know, it, it raises some interesting questions in relationship to baptism because you know, I remember when uh, I was young in ministry, and there were a lot of parents who you know you would study with their children. They're like, well, my children aren't old enough to be baptized yet. Um, and so they would um, encourage their children in their walk with God, but encourage them to put off their baptism until they were older. And Ooh. then those kids have all dr- since drifted out of the church. Interesting, because they weren't. They did they, their baptism. Their their faith in God was not confirmed and sealed in by baptism um, during that four to fourteen window, and they've just drifted away. How old were you when you got baptized, Lyle? Nine. Hey, yeah, right on. How old were you? Twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, did, go for it, Mini. Breaking all I, the molds, right? Did, here. No, I did Bible studies when I was twelve, I think, actually, and then yes. my three cousins joined me, and I remember I got to the end of it, and I went, "You've just told me a whole bunch of stuff, and I don't know Jesus at all." Like I actually didn't That's see the call. character of God. Yeah. In the, now, I have gone back and you know looked at some of the content of what those studies were, and now I'm like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" Uh-huh. But at the time, and that's what I found really interesting. There's no criticism to the. Pastor or church or whoever, yep. but I'm like, man, the fact that who God was, the character of God was so con- disconnected to what we're looking in the Bible. I was like, oh, that's that's a big disconnect. Um, anyway, it was just interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. But, 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 I mean, yeah. So, go ahead. No, I was just saying, say I agree with you. I've I've seen a lot of parents or kids who've been like, I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized. And a whole bunch of adults have been like, no, no, you don't understand yet. You don't. And look. The Holy maybe- Spirit moves on their kids' hearts. Exactly. And there's a fire burning yep. and we just dump a bucket of cold water over the top of yep. it. And then wonder why it doesn't relight instantly. Uh-huh. That's right. And I'm just like, well. <laughs> we have this attitude that children cannot give their lives to God. Mm. Mm. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah it is. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. But also, I think this is where. Sorry, I'm just going to go a little little rants here. <laughs> no, it's not about. But I do think it's really important that, um, like, often we talk about the terms of evangelism in whatever way a church choose, chooses to focus on that. Oftentimes, not always, and not in every church, but we talk about the importance of this, and we talk about these numbers, right? That in this age bracket, but then children's ministries gets really left behind because it's like, oh, they'll be fine, they're kids, and I'm like, yo, you just finished telling me how important they are. But it's like they'll get the leftover bits. No, 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 because the important thing is the evangelism for the adult. Now, I do believe that is also very important. And I know heaps of people, like my friend, who they didn't grow up in homes where Jesus was anywhere known. So for me, being their friend, I'm like, of course I want you to know Jesus. I'm not diminishing that. This is this is Minnie, this is Minnie very carefully <laughs> very carefully clarifying because she knows I do public evangelism. No, 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 no. and I'm, by the way, like I think you have amazing knowledge. Like I've been to evangelistic campaigns that you have done, and I'm like, yeah, this is really important. I just think it's really important that we don't leave behind the kids because we're like, yes. oh, they're kids, they'll be fine. No, if we know that this is such a beautiful age and like let's let's mentor them, let's build relationships, let's know who they are and know where they're at with Jesus. Do they come to churches because they have to or because they want to? And if they want to, can we get them involved? Do they want to be involved and they're just waiting for someone to ask? I don't know. It's just a whole little personal not gripe, but thing I have. <laughs> I think I think I think it's uh, uh well the, 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 okay, so the text message it's not so much what you understand but who you know hey. is the text message that has come through right here. And you know, I will I, I as an evangelist, I love the who the, the what you know kind uh-huh. of I, I love to teach the Bible. <laughs> I love to have people come out and they know their Bibles inside out, back to front and upside down. Um, but I didn't know a whole lot when I was baptized. Hmm. But I did know Jesus. Yeah, fully. Um I knew, I knew the basics, the high points, but when I was nine years old, I couldn't give you a Bible study on the in- intricacies of the 2300-day prophecy. 
that wasn't going to happen in any kind of uh, in any kind of world, you know. Um, and I think we need to remember that as well. Mm. Um, and we need to, with our children, we need to allow them to grow in faith. Yes, and in knowledge, uh, mm. both of those things are important. I like what you said. I think that we need to. Um, when it comes to evangelism, we need to recognize both sides of evangelism. Mm. And it's one of the things that I've struggled with in doing. In fact, I will tell you the, the biggest struggle that I have with public evangelism. So I do public evangelism, which is evangelism for adults. Mm. The biggest struggle I have is whenever I run a program is getting people to do a children's program. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so often what happens if I'm, say, speaking, say, four or five nights a week, to try and get people to commitment to commit to do a children's program, what I'll do is like, okay, you just take one, one night per week, mm-hmm. right? So that way you've only got to do it four times and make it as easy as possible. And often that's what happens. So the kids come along, they get somebody different every night of the week with a different kind of program, different style of program every night of the week, and it doesn't really have the impact that it could have. Mm. Uh, when I do seminars on this, I point out that whenever I do public evangelism, there are two campaigns that take place, and I need somebody else who is a co-evangelist with me because there is the children's evangelism that takes place at the same time as the public evangelism, and it is just as important, and children can give their lives to God just as much as you know parents can give their lives to God. Look at my, look at my wife, for instance. I, let me tell you a story about my wife. She didn't grow up in a Christian home. Her grandparents were Christian. And so her grandparents, when you know, when she was small, her grandparents took her and her sister to church. And so each week she would go to church. Her grandparents would turn up, take her to church. Mm. Her and her sister. And eventually, her and her sister were like, "Mom, Dad, <laughs> why don't you come to church too?" Mm-hmm. And they started going to church. That's awesome. That's how she comes from a Christian home. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's there's just there's just so much here. Ah, here it comes. I look forward to the day. This is a text message again. To I look forward to the day when we do a public campaign for children and babysit the adults. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. We do a public campaign uh-huh. for kids. It's like, all right, guys, it's going to keep you entertained. <laughs> I wonder what babysitting the adults would look like. I don't know. How do we do that? I just nearly <laughs> said something I couldn't get back to saying. <laughs> I was going to say sometimes I think that's what we do in church that we meet, meet weekly. Ooh. Ooh. But I, I don't mean that to be a burn, but I just Ooh, think sometimes it's burn. a bit of a, yes, come, we'll look after you and... Let Give the truth let the <laughs> truth cut here on Faith FM this morning. Don't hold no, back, Minnie. No, no, don't, don't hold back. <laughs> I don't mean that as a criticism, but do you like does that make sense? Like mm, and um, I just need to be careful what I say. Because I don't I don't hate the church. I need I really need to clarify. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> oh you don't. No. This is good to know, Minnie. I'm, I'm glad no. you I'm glad you said this. It's just because like but I I I do get very very bit frustrated sometimes when I'm just like, man, like God gave us this for a reason. This could be, we talked about this the other day, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, that Christianity uh-huh. is not a great thing in these last days. And we kind of know that. 
Uh-huh. And so, but I have the tendency to be like, but we could be awesome. It could be great. Why can't we be better? So I have a bit of this mentality. My phone is just <laughs> going off the hook <laughs> oh right now. Oh dear, what have I done? <laughs> okay, so, um, <clears throat> all right. Somebody says right on the money mini. Somebody oh, else no. says, uh, when I was a child, I drank milk. When I grew up, I stopped drinking milk and ate more meaty stuff. We all grew up in Christ. Mm. And I think the point of what you're saying is we need to stop giving the adults milk and actually challenge them to get off their butts and to go and live for Jesus in a really practical way. I did not expect this Bible study (laughs) to go this way. I'm kind of enjoying it. This is just awesome. Uh, Preach the truth, Minnie. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've gone into an interesting Bible study. Let me just see here. Another text me, 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 me message? message coming through with your name on it, Minnie. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah, the tears and the wheat grow together. It's important for character mm. building. God knows what he is doing. I'm sure he is much more frustrated with what is happening in his church than we are. He is in charge. Good text message. Amen. Yeah, right yes. on. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. Okay, so but I think the I just got to just just reiterate this point that uh, that that many made is that so often we, you know, we 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 just entertain the adults as well as entertaining the children rather mm-hmm. than uh, presenting Jesus to both of them. Yeah. And church is not about entertainment; it's about growing closer and you know to Jesus Christ, becoming more like Him. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's go to the next passage in our Bible study today, which is in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. So this is a little while through. This is not right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's been taking place for a little while now. Mm. Um, Matthew 9 and verse 9. If you could read that for us, please. Yes. So as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Okay, so uh, who was this individual right here? Matthew's a tax collector, not well-loved by the Jews. Why not? Well, because he was taking money for them to give to the Romans, who was a government that they didn't really appreciate very much. In light terms. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) We have tax collectors today. Mm. Is not much fun. No, people don't like tax collectors now. When you feel like they're, they're from you and they've betrayed you, by working for a government you don't like, that's a whole different... Yeah, story. okay, so this is a country that is occupied. This is a country mm. under, under military occupation. Yeah. And so it's a little bit like it's a little bit like the same region of the world today if you're Palestinian mm. mm-hmm. because they're under Jewish occupation. The Jews at this time were Jewish but were under Roman occupation. And so okay, what, what other countries do we know of that are under, are under occupation right now? Somebody shoot me um, a couple of messages or, or, or call through on 1-800-324-843. There's not a lot of countries. Most countries have either been you know, annexed or whatever. Um, there's not that many that are under military occupation, but I think Palestine is. So you, can look, you look at the Palestinians, they are not keen about the Jews. Yeah, no. You know, they are just definitely, definitely not fans of the of the Jews because they are under occupation, and you know their taxes go to the Jews, but they don't have you know Israeli citizenship. A lot of them don't want Israeli citizenship; they want their own citizenship. Mm. And you know, you've got the same with the Jews; they don't want Roman citizenship; they want a Jewish state. Mm-hmm. And here you've got somebody who is. Openly working for the Roman state, 
right? Mm. So if we put it in modern terminology and try and wrap our head around this, you've got a Palestinian then, say, working the equivalent of a Palestinian working for the Israeli government yeah. to raise taxes from the Palestinians who are not gaining the benefit of those taxes because they're not citizens of the Israeli government. Mm. You start to see how this works? Oh, yeah. And you can start to see why the tax collectors, they, they were the ones who were just seen as the worst of the worst kind of trader. You could be pro-Roman. Mm. And if you weren't a tax collector, you could just be pro-Roman in your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and just turn a blind eye to some of the things that the Romans did and be like, well, I'm just going to stay quiet. Be, be part of the, the silent group. Mm. You know, we have, uh, they talk about the silent majority here in Australia. I don't think it'd be a majority back in Israel, of course, but I'm sure there were those there who, in that era, who were pro-Roman. I mean, the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen. Aye. How does, how does that happen? We, we don't know um, all the details of the story behind that. But he was a Roman citizen and so was Silas. Oh, aye, yeah. They were both Roman citizens, mm-hmm. and that came with you know certain privileges. Uh, it could be worth having, but you know they didn't go as far as being a Roman tax collector. <laughs> and Jesus goes to this guy Matthew, the tax collector, and calls him to be a disciple. I mean, why would Jesus do such a thing? I kind of love it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Minnie's just sitting here with the biggest smile on her face. She's like, yes, I love it. No, because, like, this is a thing. Like, we see in both this verse and the ones we read just before, both of them, when Jesus calls, the response is immediate. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, Jesus knows something about who they are and where they're at and what they've seen of him or experienced or whatever, that when he calls, the response is immediate. Could we know, at least for some people, it wasn't. Like, we talk about the rich young ruler. That Jesus goes, okay, what what else do you need to do? And um, you know, goes through the thing of like, yeah, you keep the commandments, you know the things. Okay, now sell all you have. And it says that he goes away sorrowful. Now in that story, we don't have a immediate Jesus is calling and he responds. He's like, yep, immediate, follow me. But I guess the assumption some people take away is that he decides not to because he's like, ah, oh, but I don't want to leave everything I have. That's not what I want to do. Whereas the boys in the boat, they're fishermen. That's who they are, and they're like. Yep, see you later, Dad. Like, they go. Mm. No, they're not rich, but they leave everything they know and have. Matthew, he's he's a tax collector. He's fabulously wealthy. Exactly. And again, he goes, yes, I'm coming. And he just goes. Yep. And so there's this amazing similarity here, even though they're so different. Like, you have these young, sort of uneducated fishermen. Then you have this wealthy betrayer of the state, you know, like betrayer of the Jews. Both of them have this heart that when Jesus calls, they follow and give up everything for it. Anyway, I just find it interesting. Fascinating. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 2 to 4. Good dog. Matthew 10, verse 2 to 4. Okay, says, Here are the name of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James' brother. Philip, Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Okay. What a mix. All right, all right. (laughs) Did you see something right here? You have Matthew the tax collector Mm -hmm. and then you have Simon the The Zealot. Zealot. (laughs) And these two guys are in the same small group together. But on the opposite extremes. They're opposite extremes. Mm -hmm. 
So you've got one who is, um, uh, you know, far right. You've got one who is far left. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got what? Simon the Zealot. He's a part of the local. You know, he's willing yeah. to kill. He's, he's he's part of your local terrorist cell. Yeah. Um, zealots were people who killed. Yeah. That's how you became known as a zealot. Yeah. You were, you were. This is this is the Antifa right here. Mm-hmm. He's like he'd pull out a sword and cut your head off in a in, in a heartbeat. Um, and you've got you've got Matthew the tax collector on the other side of the equation, mm. right? He is fully in support of the Roman government. Aye, you know, <laughs> total fascist government. You know, so you've got you've got the two extremes here, and Jesus has both of them. Mm. As a part of his disciples. Okay, so what does that tell us in the world in which we live today? We live in an incredibly polarized world. Mm. You know, let's face it. Look at the elections that are taking place in the United States right now. And you've got people on both extremes, the left and the right. And Jesus chooses people from both extremes. It's like, okay, if you're going to go to America right now and start a, uh, you know, a, a new small ministry. And pick someone from the far left and front someone from the far right. Jesus does because Jesus knows what the power of his grace can do and how the power of his grace overcomes mm. all of the political differences that we have here on this earth. And he knows that he can use these people for his glory and honor. He knows that he can, he can channel their energies to do great things for God. And that's what we need to recognize in everyone around us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we have uh, time now for question of the day. Okie dokie. So the question of today is: Why didn't Jesus just outright say that the world isn't flat? Okay, so there's a lot of things that Jesus didn't outright say that he yes. could have clarified and said. Uh, to argue that you know the world is flat because Jesus didn't say it was a sphere then, you know, that's an argument from silence and an argument from silence is pretty much a waste of time. Mm. Uh, so there's there's nothing to be gained from the fact that Jesus didn't clarify the sphericalness of the earth. Jesus didn't need, need to clarify the sphericalness of the earth because people in the first century already believed that the earth was a sphere. Interesting. So um, if you go back to Erastosthenes of Cyrene, that guy. Right, yeah. Greek guy, lived in Alexandria in northern Egypt. Mm-hmm. He calculated the circumference of the Earth way back in 276 BC, thereabouts. So it's kind of a long time That's ago. It's a long time ago. Absolutely. And the Bible has always spoken about the Earth in terms of roundness. Um, and so some people say, well, you know, the Bible says that the Earth is a circle, therefore it's a flat plate. Well, the Bible also says that the Earth has four corners. So if you're going to take that to say that it's a flat plate, then you are going to have some major contradictions that you're going to deal with when the Bible says, you know, that uh, that the, 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 the earth has four corners to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we need to take, you know, what the, the Bible indicates, that the earth, earth hangs on nothing. Mm-hmm. In other words, it hangs in space. Uh, that's knowledge that comes from, you know, three and a half thousand years ago in the Bible that wasn't discovered until, you know, much more modern times. You find the Bible says that the earth is round. Um, you know, the Bible talks in several places about the circle of the earth and so forth. And I know all the flat earthers are going out there going to say, yeah, but that's a circle. That's not, you know, but okay, all right, if you're going to take that in that way, then you've also got to say, well, it's actually square. 
or rectangular because the Bible says it has corners. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the Bible talks about how that the sun goes down. Let me just see if I can find some of these verses for you. I did have some of them looked up. Um, okay, stretches out over the north, out the north over the void, and hangs the earth on nothing. That's Job uh, chapter twenty-six and verse seven. Um, verse ten, he has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. Proverbs eight twenty-seven. He when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew the circle on the face of the deep. Okay, Ecclesiastes one verse five. The sun rises and the sun goes down. And then hastens to the place where it rises. Hmm. Uh, so you've got, you know, this whole concept of, um, you know, the Bible doesn't specifically address any of these issues. Okay, so why doesn't why didn't Jesus clarify? He didn't need to clarify. That wasn't what he came to earth to do. Yeah, he didn't come to earth to talk about science. He gave us minds <laughs> and intelligence and a world full of science to discover. Mm. Uh, if Jesus had come to this earth and clarified everything that there ever was to know about science, then kind of what's the point in having human beings that have an inquiring mind? Um, there's uh, and, and so, yeah, it was, it was generally understood in Jesus' day, and so he didn't need to clarify it. Mm. They already knew it was a sphere long before Jesus' time and probably long before the Greeks discovered it as well. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.